0: City of Chula Vista. If you've ever been down there, home of the best tacos in the world, Tacos of Gordo. And, uh, uh, we're glad that you're here. I've been in ministry, been married 34 years, in ministry 33 years. Uh, been in South San Diego for 17, pastor Church in Canada for 13, started as a youth pastor. Uh, four kids, went on 31, 28, uh, 24, 21, boy, girl, boy, boy, girl. My like to get a home run on that. And then we've got four grandkids now. We've got 10, 3 and a half, three and one and a half. So we, um, we love life. We love Jesus. Love church. Love what God's doing. And uh, you're in for a treat here with uh, Jared uh, being here with you. Four kids in Valencia, about an hour and a half away from here. Uh, church is killing us. 30 39,000 plus people saved in church. So, Not only a church guy, but a family guy. So, um, you know, like we're hearing today all throughout the conference all the time about the importance of family. We heard today from several of the speakers on the, not the 7 on 7, but the 4 on whatever that was, and uh, how important it is for it to be good at home. And so we're going to hear some great stuff about the home. And then, of course, JL is going to be here and talk to us some stuff about children and how we can make an impact there. So you are in for a treat today. So come on, give it up to Pastor Jared. Welcome, welcome, welcome! Glad that you're here. Thank you so much.
1: Well, everybody, enjoy lunch. Yes. Sweet. That's great. Um, Excited to be here and share some things with you. Um, Yes. As. as, As he was sharing, we are up in the Valencia area. Is anybody from the Valencia area or maybe that northern L.A. region? Anybody from there? Okay. Okay, my kids are. Amen, all right, good. Um, Two of my kids are with me, my oldest, Macy, 24, and uh, my middle son, who's 20. His name is Tanner. And uh, we're excited to be here. And then in just a few moments, I'll be bringing up J.L., who is our children's pastor at Higher Vision Church. I also have our congregational care ministry pastor Chip Graves is here as well. Um, so just a little bit about Higher Vision uh, for some of you. Um, we, I moved into that uh, city in 2004, the end of the year, and at the beginning of 2005, we planted Higher Vision Church. So we're a little over 13 years old. Started on the first Sunday in April 2005 with uh, services every week, and it's been a fun journey. Had some ups and some downs, but God's been faithful through it all, and I figured out He's pretty faithful in the process. Uh, as uh, as the years have gone by, I have now been married 26 years, going on 27. Have four children; uh, two are not here. I have a 23 year old daughter named Haley and an 18 year old son named Hudson, and. Um, Uh, God's been good to us. We've had some um, good times. come from a ministry uh, background with family. My dad was a pastor. My mom was was pastoring with him. My dad's dad was a pastor, and my mom's dad was a pastor. And so come from kind of a line of ministry. But uh, it was never business. It was never a job. It was always a calling, and it was always a relationship. And so... Uh, as we were kind of getting ready for ARC, they reached out to me and asked if we would talk today about how to make church a family-wide experience, and that was the topic they gave me, and I was kind of trying to figure out why they chose that uh, topic for me. Maybe it was because nobody else would take it. I don't know, uh, but I think uh, some of the reason um, was that uh, some of the leadership had come through, and we're in the middle right now of building a new facility called Kid Venture, and it's uh, a uh, building that's designed for family and for kids, and so I'm going to show you a little bit about that in a minute. But I want to begin kind of sharing some theological principles about church, and then we're going to open it up for Q and A Q&A, um, after JL comes up and shares a little bit as well. Now I know uh, sometimes people, when they hear that my name is Jared Main, they go, "Huh." Kind of like, uh, you don't look like a Ming. Um, are you Asian or Chinese or something like that? And to, just so that I can, in case you're wondering, um, I'll give you this story. Genghis Khan, when he did his conquests across Europe, he stopped on what's now the German-Swiss border. And they, his army killed all of the, the nobles and the kings of that region. And his officers married all the widows. And so there actually is on the border of Germany-Switzerland... There is a town that's full of Mings that are Chinese, German, Swiss, which means that I'm a descendant of that, and so I am Chinese, German, Swiss. I thought I would open a restaurant, what do you think? Um, And we could serve some sweet and sour sauerkraut with strudel, I don't know, um, if anyone would come. But... uh, You know, no matter what your background, no matter what your heritage, um, uh, race, nationality, creed, how many know that God loves us all? And one of the things that God loves is he loves kids. In fact, Jesus talks about that. Jesus said this. He said, let the children come to me. And there will always be um, reasons why children don't come. Sometimes it's leadership. Sometimes it's lack of leadership. Sometimes it's a mentality um, sometimes the kids are the thing that we shove in the back. Um, sometimes that's the thing that... And, and I think we know that kids are what makes the world go around. I mean, really, in our valley, just to give you a little background, um, Santa Clarita Valley is kind of the valley that everybody that moves to L.A. and wants to be a movie star and or be in the industry that doesn't uh, maybe get the job that they wanted or things don't work out, or maybe it does... And they get married, they realize they don't want to live in Hollywood. Um, they don't want to live in inner L.A. Um, because the schools aren't that great. Um, it's extremely high cost of living. So what they do is they get married, then they get pregnant, and when they get pregnant, they move to the Santa Clarita Valley, or a lot of them do, because it's the family valley of northern L.A. And uh, we're known for schools, great schools there, known for great sports programs. Um, and so because of that, when we moved to Santa Clarita Valley, Um, You know, I I heard Tommy Barnett often preach um, about this topic, and he'd say this, he'd say, in fact, I think Matthew did a session, and and it was brought up basically with different language. The same thing was, find the need in your community and fill it. What is it that your community needs? Because if you can fill that need, if you can find a place to minister to that space, um, God's going to bless what you're doing. And so when we moved to the Santa Clarita Valley, we realized that the need was family, that kids, marriages. And so as a church, one of our first taglines, Higher Vision Church, and um, our, kind of our theme is just simply the idea that God has a vision for your life. And we want to help you discover God's vision for your life. The reality is, is that and the vision that God has for you, he doesn't just want to fulfill it. He wants to go exceedingly abundantly above what you could even imagine or think. That's the kind of God we serve. Well, in the process, what we began to realize is that if we can begin to minister to the family, then we're going to reach our city. And so our tagline was, "Higher vision, a church with a vision for your family. And so everything we did when we started was about the family. And God began to to show me something. And I'm just going to give you a couple Bible verses and thoughts. And then we'll, we'll dive into some practical stuff here in a minute. But I want to read something to you. And sometimes we miss, and I think this verse, it's used a lot. But I don't think the weight and the importance of it um, is something that, that registers for a lot of people, a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders. The last thing that God tells us in the Old Testament. Now remember, when God speaks through the prophet Malachi in the end of what we now call our Old Testament, he doesn't speak again for 400 years, God goes silent for 400 years. What's crazy is when he speaks again 400 years later, he says the exact same thing. So I'm going to tell you what he said the last time he spoke at the end of the Old Testament. And then I'm going to share with you what he said when he finally spoke again. And we see the New Testament. We see the coming of Christ. We see John, John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ and so on. Here's what he says. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. He will, pre- he will preach, and his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers. And that word fathers can actually be interpreted parents. He, his preaching will turn the hearts of parents to their children. And the hearts of the children to their parents. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Then he goes silent for 400 years. And then 400 years later, for the first time, he shows up and he speaks to Zechariah as he's in the temple. He hasn't spoken for 400 years. And now the first time he speaks again after 400 years of silence, speaking about this... Child that's going to be born, that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 1 verse 17. He says, speaking of John the Baptist coming, he says, He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. You see, I think we miss what the New Testament is all about sometimes. We focus on all kinds of things that Paul says. We focus, of course, on Christ. But we may not realize what Christ is a picture of. Because here's what Christ is a picture of. The Father turning his heart to the children. And because the Father turned his heart to a rebellious child... And how did he do it? He sent his only son. He gave the most valuable, most precious thing that he had. And when he showed that he loved his children, when he showed that he cared about his children, even though they were rebellious, what happens? The Bible says that the children turned to the Father. And now thousands and millions and hundreds of millions of children now have turned to their Father in heaven. Because of a message. And I, I, I think sometimes we don't realize. Can I, can I give you some statistics here? Did you know that one out of three children live in a home without a father in America? The U.S. has the highest divorce rate in the world. Teen pregnancy is two times higher than Canada in the U.S. It's three times higher than France in the U.S. And it's seven times higher than Japan in the U.S., and it's the highest in the world. The US has the highest rate of child abuse in the world with three million child abuse um, cases reported and filed every single year. One in four American girls will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. 90% of homeless runaway kids, 80% of rapists, 71% of teen pregnancies 63% of youth suicides and 71% of high school dropouts are because of being in a fatherless home. The point is, is when the family gets it wrong, society gets it wrong. So as the family goes, so goes the nation. And when you read those statistics, you realize that God wasn't kidding when he said, if the hearts of the parents aren't turned to the kids, the land is going to be under a curse. And so, as we talk today, I want you to understand, I'm coming from a place where I believe that God is saying, listen, this this heart, in fact, a few years ago, my father passed away and... and, um, I'll never forget, um, just a year or so, a few years before he passed away, and and my dad was in ministry for 50-some years, pastored the same church for 33 years. He, uh, I I don't think I knew how great a man he was until after he was gone. You know, sometimes you don't realize things until you have 20-20 hindsight, right? But I'll never forget one day he told me this, he came and he had preached at the church, and He was staying at our home and and he looked at me and he said, son, um, he said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what God's doing at Higher Vision Church. But he said, I have something for you. And it's this, you need to quit looking at this church like a shepherd and you need to start looking at this church like a father. He He said, you need to quit just being the shepherd of this house. You need to start being the father of this house. And when he shared that with me, there was a transformation that began to happen in my heart. And the way I began to see our staff members, the way I began to see sons and daughters in the house. And a son and a daughter isn't about an age issue. It's about a level of relationship. It's about a heart and a care and a passion for how goes the life of your child. And so the Lord began to stir my heart. And as a church, we have tried over the years to be a church of the family to care about kids and and kids can be babies they can be teenagers how many know they can be adult men come on how many know they can be adult women we really do live in a fatherless generation and not just I'm not just talking about millennials I think we live in a culture where people haven't understood and and so, as a church, our heart has been to try to cultivate family ministry. And we, we do that through a lot of ways. I'm going to just share with you some of the things that we do in, in just a moment. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we've tried to do is say, Lord, how can we help the family? Now, in our, our community, let me tell you some of the needs of the family in our community. Um, Valencia is a, the, the west side of our valley. It's a, kind of a, a white-collar community. Um, it's a high cost of living. People, most of the time, um, even though it's family-oriented, you, you, you go to a lot of the high schools, and in the high school parking lots are lots of BMWs and Mercedes and, and um, kids that have privilege. Here's what's interesting. We are one of the highest rates of opioid abuse and heroin abuse of any city in America. And yet we have more wealth in than many cities in America. Our divorce rate is incredibly high. It's higher than many other communities because you have two parents that are working like crazy to give their kids everything they want, but they're not in the life of their kids like they should be because all they can do is work. The other thing is, is inter- crazy interesting, is that our city is one of the highest. It's one of the highest rated percentage wise um, cities of swingers than in, than any other city. So marriages are crumbling and falling apart because they're trying to have the possessions. They're trying to have the life. In fact, our town has been marketed in L.A., and here's what they market it with. Awesome Town. But how many know below the surface of Awesome Town, the enemy's at work, right? In fact, I don't think it's, it's an accident. I think it's prophetic that um, there's a TV show about our valley. Um, what is it called? Santa, the, Santa, Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita Diet. Anybody ever heard of Santa Clarita Diet? It's a horrible show. It's a disgusting show. It's about a mom, a, 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 basically a, a mom, who is a, becomes a vampire. A zombie. A zombie. Is that what she is? And she eats people. <laughs> That's what the show's about. It's on Netflix. And, um, and I, I almost feel like it's, it's as if the industry is God's using them to make a prophetic statement that literally families, marriages, children, destinies are being gobbled up and destroyed by the spirit of the enemy, by death. And so the question then is, how do we come at it as a church? How do we come at it as a Christian community to um, to minister to the family? And, and when they gave us this, this topic of how, how to make church a family-wide experience— I thought what I'd do is I'd just give you some things that we do. But I want to tell you, in the Q&A time, I want to hear from you too. Because I know that many of you are doing things that, that may be a blessing for others to hear. Because we've got to work. We've got to learn from each other. Um, to learn how can we reach the family. And it's not just our city. I'm telling you, in your city, kids are struggling. In your city, marriages are struggling. Come on, I'm say amen to that. The enemy's working overtime. And so... Let me share with you some of the things that we do. One of the first things we did is we launched a ministry called Marriage Care Center. And uh, the marriage care center is something that um, and if you want to call, we can give you any information that you want, the people that lead that ministry, and we would be glad to share whatever they have with you. But basically, we take couples through a certification program. And what they do is we have, you know, I don't know how many we've had go through it. I would say somewhere around 60 couples have been certified. Does that sound about right? About 60 couples have been certified as not marriage counselors, but marriage mentors. You know, um, as, as you know, in the church, you have to be careful what language you use. If you use counselor, you're liable. So you can't really use that word. And so to diminish liability, you, you can use the word coach, counselor. Matt um, counselor, coach, mentor, and so on. So we don't have marriage counselors. We have marriage coaches and marriage mentors. But they go through a, a video training, a class together. I forget how many weeks, maybe 12 weeks. And they learn about how to use a system to help couples bring healing in their marriage. Um, And there's a a covenant that the couple has to sign that they're willing to go through the process. And what they do is they take them for four weeks through this mentoring process. And it's absolutely free. It doesn't cost a dime. Because a lot of couples will give you the excuse we can't afford to go to counseling. And I'll be real honest to you, a lot of churches, as a pastor, I don't have time to take a couple through four weeks or ten weeks of counseling. So what do we do? We refer out. And then there's a lot of time no accountability. Did they keep going? Um, how is it, you know? And so this is a way for us as a church to be a part of the family, to mentor, to encourage. And, so, and sometimes we encourage people hey, don't wait until the crisis. Start the management now, start getting your oil changed in the car now. don't wait till the, the rods blow up right the, the, the cylinders go out. so um, so basically, this program helps equip and then what it does is it empowers you to take the people in your church, some of the couples that are in our church. Are couples that have great marriages, some are ones that had terrible marriages that God has healed, and now their test is now their testimony, their mess is now their message, and so you don 't have to have perfect couples, but if you have couples who are hungry and willing, you can raise up a resource in your church to meet the needs of marriages that are struggling and, and crumbling, um, and you could be a blessing so that 's one of the things that we 've done. The other thing we do is we do a marriage conference. I had a couple uh, couple girls come up to me that, that uh, are newly married, and they came to our conference last year that we did. And um, and so um, some of the things you can do, and let me just say you don't have to have a lot of money to do a marriage conference. I know uh, my, my brother who planted a church, we helped him plant a church in the San Diego area a few years ago. And one of the things that gave them a little traction when they first started is they they started a marriage conference or a marriage retreat. And they... They rented a hotel room and did it for thirty couples, and they found a local pastor that had you know had, had some experience in teaching and marriage ministry, and you know said, "Hey, we 're a young church. can you help us?" And, and the guy said i 'll do it, you don 't have to give me anything I 'll just come and we'll sew into your people." and They were able to put it on, and it was a way to get those couples together where they could see, "Hey, you can do this. There are other people that are struggling just like you. How I mean, sometimes you just need to know you 're not alone that other people that are going to do what you 're going to." And so, you know, there's, there's marriage conferences you can do. That's something we do. Of course, things that are obvious like men's conferences. Again, you don't have to have a lot of money to do a men's conference or to do a men's retreat or whatever. Um, there are ways that you can do that economically. But make the investment. And if you make the investment, I'm going to tell you that, what does Scripture say? That God's word will not return back void. And I love what God says at the end. He says, um, when my word goes out, it won't return void. But it will accomplish what I sent it to do. God literally watches over his promises. Making sure that they come to pass. So, conferences for men, for women, youth as well. Um, my daughter, um, Macy, is, our, uh, is on staff full-time as one of our worship um, pastors on the team, but she also um, does youth worship, started in, in youth worship, and, and began to lead that. And my son, Tanner, just last night was preaching at our, our wake night, which is um, our youth night. And, um, and so we do things like conferences for them. Um, retreats for them, you know summer camps for them, things like that, and again, sometimes you don 't have to invent the, invent the wheel right you can re you can just use what what resources are out there. you can find people that'll come in, do one in your if, if you if 're in a situation where it 's too expensive for everybody to go, do one in the church on a weekend. they used to call those a lock in come on <laughs> you can do one, do a mini one so so just providing resources, I want to take a minute though, and I want to focus on. Um, Kids for a minute. And, you know, as it, how many, I'll ask this question. How many, do we have any lead pastors in the room? If we're your lead pastor, let me see your hand. Okay, so we got three. How many of you um, are like, uh, maybe you're on, on staff somewhere at a church? Let me see your hand. Okay, and then how many are like volunteering, serving in your local church? All right. Um, I just want to say that this, this sounds silly, but your church can be horrible. As a lead pastor, you can be terrible in your communication skills. Your worship can be terrible. Now, I mean, no, no worship is terrible because we're worshiping God. But you, you understand what I'm saying as far as maybe an excellence level. or. A, uh, but if you have good kids ministry, people will stay at your church and will come to your church. Because parents will sacrifice for their kids. Come on, you know. I'm just getting real. So I'm telling you, if you want to grow your church, make your children's ministry the best that it can be. When we started, our motto was, higher vision, church with a vision for your um, kids or your family. And then we had this tagline, your kids will love it. And we did whatever we could do to make sure that the kids loved it so that when church was over... And the mom and dad are like, yeah, I don't know if i want to go back there. To that pastor, right and connect with them. But the kids are like, no, no, it was great. We got to go back there. It was awesome. I loved it. And so you focus on ministering to kids, you'll get the parents. Um, the last thing I want to say before I, I just show you a few pictures and I asked to come and we'll open it up for Q&A. And I want to go along to, What is our stopping time, by the way? Do you know? 2.30. 2.30. Okay. How are we doing on time? <laughs> Left? Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, no, I gotta go. 35. 35 minutes. Okay. Um, one of the things we tend to do in the church is we tend to make the mistake of fishing in the same pond. Um. Notice when Jesus saw Peter on the boat and Peter hadn't caught anything. And how many know we all in our churches go through seasons where it just feels like we ain't catching anything. Right? We're not growing, new people aren't coming, people aren't staying. And what was the first thing Jesus said to Peter in his non-productive season? He didn't say throw the net back into the same pool. He said throw it in a new place. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. And what, it, what we do in churches is we tend to always fish in the same pond. We just think that we'll get better at it with cool, creative ideas. We'll come to Ark, and we'll find these cool ideas. And then we go back with a new net that's got cool stuff on it and glittery, and it's all cool. And we just keep throwing that new, cool, different net, hook, style into the same pond over and over again. But Jesus said, if you'll throw it on the other side of the boat... And one of the things that as a church we've tried to do is we've said, God, help us to figure out how to throw the net into new fishing ponds, into new places so that we can reach people that maybe others aren't reaching. So one of the things we did, I had a chance, I was in uh, um, visiting in Houston and I got to go to Joel Osteen's church and got to meet Joel and spend some time there. Um, Spent some time with their um, pastor, associate pastor, uh, Chris Johnson. And when I was there, we began to talk about their Champions Club, which is a ministry to special needs kids. And uh, we came home and began to pray. And what I discovered is that 10% of our community had someone in their family labeled special needs. Now, I don't know if the statistic is the same, but I would guess in your community it's not far from it. Somewhere between 5 to 10% of your community is special needs. Well, what we discovered is nobody in our city was providing ministry to special needs kids. Because they can't go to church. Because when they go to church, they have to keep their kids with them because children's ministry won't take them. I had, I'll never forget, we had a family that came to our church. And my son will testify. They had a son who was autistic, and he um, was a bit aggressive. And so it just so happened that every once in a while, he would get aggressive. And when he would get aggressive, for some reason, my son was the kid that he wanted to get aggressive with. Now, this kid is a big kid now. He's literally like six, four ways, like 250, 260. He's, have you seen him? He's yeah. huge. And, um, but he was like that when he was little. I mean, he was that version as a sixth grader. And I'll never forget, one day I come home and and Tanner's like, Dad, i was like, how was church? He's like, it wasn't so good this week, Dad. Kids didn't love it. At least this kid, you know. And I'm like, why? He goes, well, there's this big old kid and he jumped on top of me and broke wind. And, and so I'm like, what happened? And you know, I could talk to kids ministry. I'm like, hey, what you? to some other kid? And they're like, it's okay, pastor. It was your son. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it was my son. Look out for him too. And um, long story short, that family had gone from church to church to church because they couldn't go anywhere because there was no place for them because of their kid, their, their child's special needs issue. And so you know what we did? We said, you know what? We'll figure this out. And we developed, I think, a buddy system. And And they came to church. And, you know, they were part of our church. They helped build our church. And God did use them in a really cool way because we were able to love and fill a need that needed to be met. And so what we did, we came back and we said, we're going to invest in special needs kids. And we started doing that. And, you know, the next thing we knew, a new family would come from here and a new family would come from here and a new family would come from here. And I can't tell you how many times I'll have people that will come up to me. After service and say, Pastor, I just want you to know thank you for having a heart for special needs families because for years I couldn't go to church and now I can go to church. What happened? What did we do? We threw the net in a different pond. And I want to encourage you. There's ponds out there that you can throw the net in. There's places that you can invest in that maybe you're not investing in now. For us, we said we're going to take it to the next level, and we're building a new building. Let me, let me share with you a couple ideas and things that we've done at the church that have become big. One of the things that we do is, first of all, I think that the first set of pictures, can you pull that up? Um, this is our VBS program, and one of the things that we decided to do is VBS is big in the Santa Clarita Valley because summer, and every mom wants to get rid of their kids for the week in the summer, right? But all the VBSs in our city happen during the day, and they cost like $25 or $35 per kid. How much? $45.50. $45.50. See, I'm behind. So you're going to pay for four kids $100. No, no, $200 to send the, your kids to VBS. And so here's what we thought. Well, let's, let's be something different. So we're going to do VBS at night. For two and a half hours. And we're going to do it for free. And we'll pay for it. We'll figure out. We'll, we'll, if we have to take an offering, we'll take an offering. But we're going to find the money. And we're going to do it. We're going to grow it. Well, now, we had close to 700 kids registered for VBS. We had... How many kids get saved last year? Saved? Yeah. Maybe
2: like
1: 600. We had, I mean, everybody raises their hand at <laughs> <again>. yes.
2: <laughs>
1: everybody gets saved in VBS. We had... Our children's pastor got saved at BBS last year. But seeing kids respond to Jesus and bringing their families. We had literally hundreds of families that would come and wait in the back as they would hear the end and be a part of the last part of the service every night. I'm shaking hands with new families and have new families that are coming to the church. Because why? because we said well we 're going to make the investment in kids, so vBS I know that 's something that often people will do, but but how can you do it different, and how can you throw the the net into a new pond in a new way? Um, we also the first thing we did when we started VBS is not only we did it at night, not only we did it for free, but we offered it for toddlers. So keep praying for our church because that 's <laughs> You need Jesus if you're going to do it for toddlers. But So we did. I think there's another picture. Um, you know, we do the latest. What's the program we use normally? It's by who? What company? By Groom. Okay. Yes, yeah, so so there's there's Vbs and and then what we do here's what we do. here's how we try to throw the net into the pond. We try to do everything we can with kids, um, yeah, if you'll stop there. Um, we try to do with all of our kids. We try to build it into the weekend experience. So for us, when we do VBS, we don't do it on the weekend, I mean on the week. we do it on the week leading into the weekend. And then what we do is we have a big event at the end of VBS to celebrate VBS. And we used to do it on Sunday um, afternoons. And in order for them to come to the free party, I think we did Sky High one year, which Sky High is this jump, you know, trampoline place. If your kids came to VBS, they could go to the free jump house on Sunday afternoon if their kids came on Sunday and were a part of the Sunday service. And what we do is we bring them up on stage. We'd show recap videos. We'd have a testimony of one of the kids sharing what happened in VBS. They would do their songs from VBS. And then I would wear the T-shirt, and I would preach the theme of VBS on the weekend for the family. So we would build it into the weekend experience. And everything we do, we try to make kids part of I'm going to tell you, your greatest attractional um, element for your church is your children. So when we do a production, like for instance, I don't have pictures of this, but we do um, a a massive production every year in our city. We we, um, did last year for two years, we did a thing called Marvelous. And we basically wrote a kind of like Broadway musical with superheroes and made it about Jesus and, and whatever. And we had flying Batmans and we had, you know, I mean, you name it, we had all of it. But every massive production that we do, We build kids' ministry into the middle of it because when you build kids' ministry into the middle of it, not only will their mom and dad come, but their grandma and grandpa will come and their aunt and their uncle will come and their, right, everybody will come. And so I want to tell you, it's a way for kids, first of all, to celebrate and be a part. But at the same time, it's another way to throw the net into the community to say, hey, we're here for your family. We're here to invest in your family. Um, Another thing we do is we do this last year. our, Our theme for the year this year is family first. And so we did family night. I think we have some pictures of that. Family game night is what we call it. Is that right? So we literally turned our auditorium into a big game center, and we we had ping pong tables and foosball tables, and we had um, music playing on the stage for dancing, and kids, we had party, we had food, pizza, desserts, whatever, and literally on the stage, the entire night, you would have anywhere from 15, one time we had like 60 people on stage dancing, Um, what's that one thing We I go to the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were doing all those songs. We were doing everything. And we had like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people show up, hang out for the night, build relationship. And what we're communicating, we care about your kids. Here's what we're saying, like Jesus, let the kids come to me. What are we saying? We're showing the community our heart is for the kids. And here's what God says. Here's what I believe. If you show the community your heart is for the kids, then the heart of the kids will be turned to the heart of the Father. But we say we love them, but we don't show it. And I tell you, God can give you ways to love your kids. In fact, I hope to hear some cool ways. Let me show a couple other ways that you can love your kids. Um, We do. Um, What do we have next on the agenda up here? Can you show us the next slide? Okay, that's our building. I'll get to that in a second. Some other things we do is we do this weekend is what we call Kids Takeover Weekend. So this weekend, there's going to be kids greeting with parents. There's going to be kids doing ushering with the ushers. When we do um, the connect card where the host gets up and says, we're glad you're here. Fill out this card. Growth track's starting, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? There's going to be two kids on stage. In fact, JL is going to do it. Um, JL, why don't you come up and join me? She's going to do the connect card this weekend, and the kids are going to do it with her. And she's going to say, okay, guys, they need to turn a card. What's that card called? Hand it to the kids. It's called the connect card.
0: Everybody's
1: like, yeah. Everybody's excited to hear the kids. And so the kids take over. They're a part of everything that happens all weekend long. We do it, like, every couple months. Um, And what are we saying? Kids matter. Your family matters. So that's another thing we do. We also do things like um, uh, a special needs fall festival where we do a a big, huge fall festival carnival just for families of special needs kids. And
2: with that, too, we think about what does this, this community need? So, like, even thinking through food trucks, You know, some of these kids, they can't have anything that's um, crunchy because it'll, you know, it'll mess with, you know, with what's going on in their mind. So we had, you know, Ronnie Macaroni food truck because they're gluten-free, dairy-free, everything-free, but it's soft. So those kids who have sensory issues, they can eat that and they'll be okay.
1: Absolutely. There's so many different things you could do. A respite. You can do a thing where you say, hey, we're going to take care of your kids. You guys go on a date night, or you guys go out and get your groceries. I mean, there's things that you can do. We do backpack giveaways, um, Mother's Day events. Um, We're going to do for our grand opening of our new facility, I'll show you in a second. We're going to do a massive snow day, and there's nobody in the valley that does it. And we're going to bring in thousands of, 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 what is it, gallons or meters or tons. tons or whatever of snow. We're going to have an ice skating rink and we're going to have slides and, and we're going to do all the stuff so that families can come together um, to say, we care about your kids. Um, we do things for, um, for the family like um, we, we did a thing one Father's Day called UFC, Ultimate Father Competition. And we, we took our auditorium and we changed it around and we literally put an octagon in the middle of the auditorium. And we had two dads fight in sumo suits, just so for those of you that are lowered for the violence. And they did three one-minute rounds. And we served popcorn and dad's root beer. Uh-huh. And I preached from the octagon. And it was all about family. And um, there are things, creative ways that you can share that hey, we care about kids. So, JL, real quick, give us just a couple thoughts, and then I want to open it up for some Q and A, and then let's talk about the, the building and stuff. And then yeah, yeah, then we'll...
2: yeah. I mean, there are other really practical things you can do too, like child dedications. With your child dedications, you know, as a kid staff, we thought about, well, should we maybe have child dedication separate from the actual church service? We thought, no, because the point of child dedication is for the entire church community to back that family and say, hey, we're with you as you're raising your child. We will raise your child with you so we have our child dedications during service for that reason. Um, baptisms. Sure, we could have a kids, you know, kids only baptism service, but what is the point of that when it's the church family and we're supporting one another? So we have kids being baptized right along with with the adults, you know, youth, kids, everybody's getting baptized together because we're all together as one family. Um, I like to say that, you know, family that serves together stays together, right? I mean, I've learned that since I was a kid. My mom, she served in children's ministry. My dad, he served as an usher. You know, and here I am serving in children's ministry now. And my parents actually serve right along with me in children's ministry, which is cool. It's always great to recruit your parents. I need help. Come on. But what's cool is that we have a program called the Ambassadors. It's our 5th and 6th grade leadership program. And some of these kids, they are serving right alongside their parents, which is neat. So maybe their parent is a 3rd and 4th grade circle leader or small group leader. Well, they are the 3rd, 4th grade circle assistant. So they are serving right along with their parents. Or they're serving in the pre-K kinder class right along with an adult or right along with a parent. You know, what Pastor Jared said is true in our valleys and even, I mean, it's true across the board, kids are getting less adult influence in their life um, than, you know, that's such a decline where, you know, adult interaction for them will be, hi, maybe. And so I like to tell our team that you could be the only smile that kid gets in a week. You could be the only, hi, it's nice to see that that kid will get in a month. You could be the only high five that kid gets in a year. Um, And so we want to be intentional with everything that we do. If that kid doesn't have a family, you know, biological family who is rallying around them, we want to be their church family. We want to be their family of God. We can rally around them. And so, um, cool thing about Christmas production, shift gears a little bit, Christmas production, we're actually doing a kid's show this year, which we're pretty excited about, but we're being intentional with our kids' production and having it during regular services. So we're having it Saturday night, we're having it all three services on Sunday because we can get those kids' families into the church at a regular church time. And how cool is that when we can all get everybody together, um, together. You said a lot of what I was going to say, so
1: that's pretty good, PJ. Let me make one other statement too, and that is, I want to encourage you, let your children's voice be heard. Mm-hmm. So this year, JL spoke on a weekend, and the reality is, is because I want the children's voice, the children's leadership to be heard in the house, right? You sit at a table and the parents do all the talking. We want the kids to talk too. Yeah. So how can you get get the voice of the children heard? We do that sometimes. We have one of the best testimonies. You know, we'll do our we call our story, and we had a kid who talked about how he came and his parents were um, struggling, and um, I yeah. forget the whole the, the whole thing, yeah. but it was incredible. He gave the testimony on video, and it was one of the most impactful videos and testimonies that we had in the church. And so I want to encourage let the children's voice be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go ahead and, and just move on. and Open What's up for some Go ahead. Um,
2: you know the saying that's out of sight, out of mind? Well, if you don't see your kids, you know, in church, if a person comes late to church um, and they don't see kids coming in the room, they might not know you have children's ministry. Uh, We had a guest speaker um, for a women's conference and she didn't know that the church she was attending had a children's ministry for two years because she never saw a kid or it was never talked about from the pulpit. So I encourage you senior pastors, you know, talk about your children from the pulpit, talk about your youth from the pulpit, because when you bring that up, that language becomes, um, it becomes constant in the church. It becomes the culture of the church.
1: We, we really we believe in, when I'll, I'll end with this, and we'll open it up for Q&A, but we're getting ready to open a new facility, and it's called Kid Venture. And the idea is where kids live out God's adventure. And so I want to show you some pictures of it. We're kind of excited about it. Um, this is, you come into the lobby, and it's kind of a 1930s um, Grand Central Station kind of vibe. You see the world there. You see on the left up above, you see what's kind of like an airfield. On the right up there, you see a shipyard, and then behind you, Um, you see what's a train station and so it's kind of like the kids are getting into a place where they can go into the world Mm -hmm. and so when they check into their kiosk they actually get a ticket to go into the world and if they walk through those doors the ones there it goes into our kids auditorium which is a kind of a um, a air hanger Mm -hmm. but let's go ahead and go to the next slide if they Go down the hall into kids' ministry. They actually go onto a dock. And when they go onto a dock, every room that they go to, and let's go to the next slide, every room that they go to is a different part of the world. So by the time they start in, um, you know, as a child and an infant, they will have gone through... I believe this is uh, Africa. This is eight A- You can go to the next one. Yeah, this is Asia. So by the time they get from infancy to sixth grade, they will have gone through North America, South America, um, literally the entire globe. They've gone around the world. And then they go into the, audit- on the kids' auditorium, the hangar. And in there, it's kind of this idea of people that have gone around the world. Um, they also, part of the facility, let's go to the next slide if we have it. Is our, our basically we we're still working on this thing, but working. our fun room, and this is basically um, a, a massive play area which represents all the places of the world. So you've got a train you can get on. Inside that train are um, little places where you can sit down and do crafts. You have a bus. You jump, jump into the bus, and when you sit down, it's a ga- it's a game station in front of you. You can play games. Let's go to the next slide, if you will. There's a plane in there. Oh. Um, that's our special needs. Was that the Sensitive. only slide? We had? Okay, so on the other side of the fun room is a ship, and the ship is one of those massive climbing apparatuses. Actually, it wraps around the top of the room and goes up into a hole. So you have climb. You have a ship, a train, a plane. You have all of that stuff. And what we're trying to communicate, and then um, if you go back to the slide you did, and you know, I go, this is our special needs, which is in the center. As they walk around in the 1930s, which uh, the gentleman who actually built. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, he built Toontown, helped open Pandora. He actually got saved in my church um, 12 years ago and uh, is the project manager for this and has designed it. And they're all about theme. They're all about period. So literally in the 1930s, when you would walk around a dock, in the center of the dock would be um, an aquarium. Because in that day, they didn't have the technology to put it somewhere else. So in the aquarium was all the fish and all the stuff. So our special needs, which kind of has the aquatic theme, is in the center. You walk around our kids' ministry in the center, just like in the 1930s. You look and you see pictures and you walk inside and it's like like you're in an aquarium. It kind of has that feel. But the idea is that our kids don't just go to church, but they realize that God has an adventure for them. He has a calling and a purpose for them, whether it's to be a doctor or to be a missionary or to be a school teacher, that they're living out God's adventure. Because isn't that what we try to do in church, try to help people realize, hey, you've got a purpose mm-hmm. beyond, um, you know, working where you work, that God has a purpose in your life. And so uh, I think, is that the last picture? All right. So let's do this. Um, we're excited. We're going to be opening that um, in February of 2019. And I'm um, excited about what God's going to do, kind of a chance to rebrand our church and the community, and um, let the community know that the hearts of parents have turned towards the kids. So, let's do this. Can you take this mic, and then we'll share this one. So let's just take some questions. And... Yeah. Hey, how are you guys doing? Okay. Um, my question is, what um, I'm really intrigued by the special needs ministry. Um, what curriculum or what specifically do you do for a special needs
2: So we use, Shape um, from Champions Club, Champions Club, and it's from Lakewood Church, and so currently we're using their curriculum, um, but it's adaptable too, so we change some things out, what will work for our kids, what won't work, um, and it's always with um, whatever need that child has too. Some kids have more motor skills than the others, and so you adapt it um
1: for that level. Can I – let me say, add one thing. Sure. Two things. That program, if you contact them, they, you can actually become a Champions Club of, uh, like – franchise and they'll help you they'll show you how to make a room what stuff to put inside they'll give you the curriculum for it all of that we have a buddy system for people that are more high functioning that could be in a regular classroom so we have buddies that go with them and then we have uh, special classrooms for those that aren't as high functioning that need to be in a a class where they have you know the appropriate uh, things like for instance things tactile issue we have a a cool down room where when they come in if a child's autistic and through the transport they get you know Kind of um, agitated, they can actually go into this room. It's got lava lamps. It's got, and it, it calms them down before they integrate into the classroom. So they'll give you all the resources you need and be able to help you with it. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. So besides like events and, and announcing events, what do you guys do on like, a weekly basis, a monthly basis? Uh, verbiage on stage, to keep championing uh, kids ministry to adults. Well, let me just say, we probably need to do more. Um, because, but the, the reality is is that we do, we do a lot of events at our church. And so because we do a lot of events, it's always present because of that. Um, so we don't really probably have an every week thing we do. We do rotate JL through hosting. We just want kids ministry out up in front. Um, you know, like we're doing this weekend, we're doing a a church picnic and softball thing and it's, it's all about family. People are coming out, we're going to have food and whatever. We're also having a softball tournament and that kind of thing. We're having jump houses or things like that games. So we're always doing things that are about the family. People know that it's family, but honestly, we don't have like a a script that we use every week. So, but I think that might not be a bad thing.
2: Every month we do have a kid takeover. And so we've been doing that to, uh. that we have the kid takeovers, and so we've been doing that to involve kids in the service. Um, and it doesn't have to be extensive. You know, have have a kid hang out with a, one of the people on worship, and, you know, and you just just have it right in front of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, um, I think I'm to go to the church too, but um, the, some of the in videos when you're doing announcements mm-hmm. like you can have a kid do an announcement in the video or um, in our social media like we do we yeah. really our social media presence like make sure your kids are on there and taking pictures of your kids ministry when um, we do like we'll do some videos in our stories or things of like um, and we'll kind of have someone go through our church, and like from like the first person, like you see the greeters kind of walking in. You go to the, church, the children's ministry, or you have someone from the children's ministry on it saying, "Come to our kids' service," you know, that kind of thing. To where you're kind of in, just in subtle places. There's, you know, it doesn't have to be. So. Yeah, it
1: doesn't have to just be on the on the pulpit right. or on the on the stage.
2: culture from the get-go, like from the
1: very beginning? Yeah, so when we started Higher Vision Church, again, like, we knew it was all about family. At that time, my kids were young. Um, I think, Macy, see, how old we were you when we were? Like 10. 10. So I had 10, 8, 6, and 4. And, um, and my youngest son um, is... Well, my wife comes from some Hispanic background, and then my youngest son is African-American. So we're like the whole multicultural family. It was like, you know, you look at the picture of us, that's the way it is. And so we really tried to just make that be about what we were. Every picture had had families, had kids. We made sure that when we bought, I don't know if you're using um, Portable Church um, Company for hiring, you know, building your uh, uh, portable equipment, but we did. We used Portable Church. And so we made sure that we had cool kids' stuff. Like, I was just at, uh, two, last weekend, we helped launch a church called Prodigal Church in Fresno. And uh, they, they had their one-year anniversary. And I took pictures. And one of the things that's cool about their kids' ministry is, I don't know if their kids' ministry is cool or not. I, I, I haven't got to dive in that far. I'm, I'm on the board and know the pastor and know the church is doing well. But when you look at it, it looks like it's a great children's ministry. Because they get, they get a normal classroom like any church you know, in a school would do. But what they do is they have these portable walls that are multicolored, that connect together. And they section things off and they have lots of signage. And when you walk up, you're like, whoa, this is cool. I want to go to kids ministry. So I think there's things you can do, number one, from the look and feel. I think number two, sharing that heart with the pastor where he's communicating that. If he's communicating that to the team, if you're doing a, a team you know, um, rally before you guys start the service and you get together and you pray, and, you know, that kind of thing, things that you can do to create the culture by your language, by what you're praying about, what you're putting on social media, and even what you, you know, the look and feel. When we started, we would always talk about kids. We'd have kids in everything we did, because it was our only chance. I mean it was our only, you know, help. So I would say um, look at how you can you can place that in visual, verbal, and then within the team, maybe even prayer requests and like, hey, we're praying for this, we need this, you know, that kind of thing. The other thing we did a lot is we had everybody helping kids ministry in the beginning, so it was a value <laughs> because everybody was doing it. That's a
0: great question. Anybody else? You mentioned that you guys do a, especially fall test with can you elaborate on what that looks like?
2: So with that, we have, um, like I said, the food trucks, food trucks specific to um, what the kids can eat, you know, so like macaroni, I would even say talk with, um, talk with the the schools in your, in your area and just ask them, um, you know, can you recommend a group? A special needs group because there are special needs groups and they stick together like glue. And so you can even talk with some of them, get ideas of who are popular um, food trucks that you could get or other popular things that you know would help.
1: Like elements, them. share the elements that you get Yeah, use.
2: we had a bubble tent, um, and so it's just. Uh, clear tent that we had bubble guns in there so kids can you know play with the bubbles we had sensory things like um this foam kind of thing where kids can like tactile they can play with that um
1: petting zoos are always petting
2: zoos are perfect little little animals we had fire department come out and they brought fire truck and they were showing kids the fire truck and they could climb it and all that so it it doesn't have to be like just like giant things it could be a small thing like um you know here's some beads and make a a bracelet but that's of worth and that's something that's sensory um that could benefit the kids
1: it's just kind of like just a a, you know carnival kind of feel Mm -hmm. just without that we did have pony rides i think right
2: we had a petting zoo yeah we had a pony ride ride. so Mm there
1: but mainly it was like you know like a little carnival type feel but it was just designed specifically for things that a special needs kids could do Mm -hmm. and are helpful to them in the process and then what you'll find is the parents man they're so happy that you're doing that for them and then they're talking to each other and then you have people that show up from the congregation that don't have special needs kids they're just like wow this is cool we're doing this and great recruiting place to get new people plugged in, so.
2: And when you invite to, invite the whole church to come, um, because if you just say this is a special needs event, then you're going to have people who won't come, because also what you want is you want inclusion. Yeah. So you want people to not be like, oh, special needs, but special needs, alright, we're all part of the same family.
1: I think we have time for another question. Maybe. yeah. Over here. What about tying in what you're preaching uh, in a Sunday service with what is being taught in the children's program? We do that every once in a while. Like sometimes I'll do a series. And, and, and basically what I, I tell the staff and the team is this. And like whatever I'm doing, figure out ways to try to um, make that cross-sect with what, what you're doing. So like even our, our – we, we call them circles. We, we, we focus on rows and circles. Circles are our small groups. Um, and so with the circles, um, we'll have specific times of year where every circle is doing the same exact thing. And it ties in with what I'm preaching on. So we'll do that like twice a year. We usually do it after Easter because then everybody's on the same page. People are coming back. There's this kind of unity, whatever. Um, so we'll pick a couple times where we do that. But uh, I know that JL and the team will sometimes go, oh, pastor's teaching on worship or something like that. And so they'll try to incorporate ways to build um, that theme into what they're doing, whether it's during the, the you know time where they're worshiping and they're focusing on and talking about it or sometimes even in the, the lessons and stuff that you do, correct? Okay. So I think it's just being intentional. A lot of times we don't. We just kind of do stuff and everybody's doing their thing. But one of the things we, we're really trying to do as a church is, That everybody's saying the same thing. You know, it's an interesting verse, and it's the verse when God comes down and sees Babel being built, the tower. And watch what he says. He says, Everybody is saying, everybody is speaking the same language. There is nothing that they can't do. Now I know it's a negative and he ends up shutting it down. But if without God having the same language and vision, you can do anything, come on, add God to that equation. The problem is in the church, everybody's saying different things, doing different things. So when you can, build a way. Because the principle that you teach on the weekend, you can teach to a kid, a child. So I think just being intentional. What I do is I do a year calendar for preaching. And I sit down and I say, these are the topics or the themes that we're going to go through over the next year. I don't always know exactly what it's going to be called. But I know basically, like for instance, in January, the first three weeks is always going to be on prayer and vision. I know that in February, we're probably going to do something on stewardship. In March, we're going to do something on evangelism because it's leading up to Easter. So I'm going to talk to everybody about going, invite people to church, win people, you know, be evangelistic. And then Easter, and then after Easter, we do a month of family stuff or we do a month of, you know, things that are really practical topically. And then we get to the summer and I know we're gonna do expository and work through a book or something like that. We get into the fall on November, we're getting ready to start, that's our missions. And I focus on missions. And so 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 that way people are able to look ahead and when they're doing curriculum they can say, okay, we can we can figure this out. Alright, I think it's time. It's 2.31. We're not supposed to go over, so I'm, I, I'm already in trouble. So let me pray over you guys, and uh, we're here to hang out for a couple minutes if you have anything else you want to say. Thanks for, for sitting through that. Um, that was a, We haven't done this before, so it's was our first time. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, all of the wonderful pastors, leaders, workers here in this room today. And Lord, I know that they have a call and a passion, and I want to pray that you will release your anointing, Lord, to be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. Lord, turn our hearts towards the kids. And we know, Lord, when that happens, Lord, that the kids, families, they're going to turn to you. The key to revival is to love the family. And so, Lord, we're going to love the family like you loved us as your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great, great day.